Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday edition of Locked on Flames. Today, we are doing the official season primer with Nick Zararis of Liberty Blue Podcast, and let's jump right into it. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Today, I am joined with Nick Zararis, and uh, make sure that you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And Nick, how are you today? I'm very glad hockey starts, starts tomorrow because the Mets lost yesterday, and baseball baseball doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. So we've no. officially moved on. to We're on to hockey season. As Coach Belichick said, we're, we're on to hockey season. Stream home makeover okay, thank you, Daily Faceoff, for a random ad. Daily but- Faceoff. The pop-ups on Daily Faceoff kill me. Every time I'm just trying to get something quick to reference while I'm recording an episode, the pop-up starts playing, and yeah. yeah. Yep. I I rarely ever use them, but thanks, Daily Faceoff. Um, I will be sure to throw an ad blocker on. But, you know, I think we need to recap the off-season because it was a lot in a short period of time. And now the season starts and like on Wednesday for the flames. And it started back in July when, you know, we heard rumors of Gaudreau being offered basically the entire city of Calgary uh, for the next eight years. And everybody was just kind of on edge. You know, is he going to take it? Is he going to take the deal? Is he going to sign long-term? You know, what's, what's the plan here? And then it came down to the 11th hour and he was gone. What, what was your initial reaction and just kind of feelings around that? Um, I'm never going to begrudge a player for getting a bag. I'm always on the side of get as much money as you can from whoever's willing to give it to you. If you want to live in a different location, by all means, go where you want to go, where you think you're going to have the best opportunity to pursue your career in the way you want to do it. I was a little surprised he picked Columbus of any team because they're not particularly close to contending. And he's kind of at the end of his prime in his late 20s, early 30s, where in the next couple of years, he'll probably start to decline slightly in terms of his production. By the time Columbus is ready to be a serious playoff team, he'll probably be in his earlier mid 30s. So a little surprising there. But in terms of just movement, I think we're seeing players feeling a little more emboldened to take their careers into their own hands, which is a good thing for the league. The more the players feel agency over the direction of their careers, the better for the game, because for too long, these guys have felt like one guy on a group of 18. And while that is true, they are just one guy on a team. Johnny Gaudreau's impact on the Calgary Flames is a little bit different than Milan Lucic's impact on the Calgary Flames. So let's be realistic here. We're not just, not everybody is the same part of a one of 18. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And I see, you know, any player who's willing to kind of go against the grain like that, as like you said, is an empowering thing because not only does it help the player, it helps kind of everyone else who might be in a similar situation. And um, I think it kind of moves the sport forward. 
is. Yeah, absolutely. It sets a precedent. It sets a precedent. It, yeah. it allows players to feel like we're a couple of years away. I think Matt Austin Matthews is an unrestricted free agent three years from now. That'll be the next big one. Yeah. McDavid is five, four or five years away. Mitch Marner, I think, is three or four years away. If these guys feel like, hey, I can go anywhere I want and a team is going to bend over backwards to make the team around me better, like what Matthew Kachuk did where he said, I want to go here, and then the Panthers said, all right, we'll move heaven and earth to get you here, and we think we can do something with you, that's better for everybody because if teams are being more aggressive, that means more teams are going to be viable to be in the playoffs. That means more fan bases are able to be invested in their teams. It's better for the league when there's movement. I mean, the NBA is get at this point now where basically you can have a contract three, four years left on it, and you can go wherever you want because yeah. in the NBA the players hold the power. They're getting we're getting there in the NHL. Matthew Kachuk, the first real restricted free agent we've seen coming out of that entry level contract and saying, "Okay, I want to leave," and that's bucking a trend. We haven't really seen that in the NHL, so that is a a watershed moment in player empowerment, which is a good thing for the NHL. The players are the focus. It's not the team. As much as the old heads want it to be about the team, it's about the players. It's about the players. Right, because without the players, you don't have a team. Exactly. Without teams, you don't have a league. Yes. So, and then, you know, you brought up Matthew Kachuk, and I think that this this trade was, you know, it was obviously expected, but I remember seeing the return and thinking – the Flames really did just get a lot better than they were a week ago when we were uh, starting the ship for raising the sail for the tank for Bedard train. And I'm happy for Matthew Kachuk, but I'm more excited for the Flames return on that end because, you know, you, you are replacing Johnny Gaudreau with Jonathan Huberdeau, who had the same amount of points as each other last year. You're only strengthening the uh, decor with Mackenzie Weger. And then you have a prospect. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it was okay to be happy again. It was okay to be excited for Flames hockey. I think the Flames are going to be a very interesting case study. And if you want as much, if you want high end talent versus a quality of talent, because the Flames are a deeper lineup now, I would say, with having that extra cap space to go and get Kadri in there as well. So you have Kadri, you have Uyghur, you have Huberto. Your roster is deeper. Not necessarily as high ends because Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk are probably two of the 20 best players in the entire league, but you've got more talent to put throughout your lineup, and then you can slide people who are higher up in your lineup last year further down, deepen your roster all the way around. So it, it, it's a debate. This is a real conversation you we have as content people is, would you rather have two high-end guys or four pretty good guys? It really depends. We've seen in the playoffs teams that have more high-end talent typically prevail in matchups where it's high-end talent on high-end talent but when you get into those later playoff series where everybody has high-end talent that depth usually makes the difference I've been a big proponent of the way the Flames have constructed this roster I think they're going to end up better off in this trade than Florida because they're going to be they're going to have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup than Florida because the path in the West is just easier than it is in the East to be honest with you and Florida still has a lot of question marks so as bad as it could have gone for Calgary this offseason, the fact that they're more or less in the same spot last year where they're going to be expected to win this division again and go deep in the playoffs, that's pretty good considering you just lost two of the 20 best players in the sport. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. It was kind of shocking to just watch this team, you know, lose those two top end. Two of uh, we had this conversation last season, but um, two of the two of the top three U.S. born players in the league yeah. depart from your team, and then bring in players that are still like you're still a contender. And I think yeah. that that's the most important thing to take away from here. We don't need to, you know, hold grudges against players for leaving and only writing a player tribune article. I don't know what you want from them. Matthew Kachuk didn't personally send Jonathan Huberto and Uyghur over to Calgary. Um, but, you know, I think we just, we have to move on from that, but also be able to look back at this trade and this off season in two or three years and say, Hey, did the window stay open? Did we lengthen it? And what's, you know, we'll reevaluate it. And I think that that's something that, you know, we just have to live in the moment and appreciate it because like you said, with depth teams, they're the ones that are going on and having deeper playoff runs. Look at Colorado. What did they just win? The Stanley cup. And they were a very, they still are a very deep team. So we will have to see what they have, what the West has in store for the Flames. But before we move on and talk about uh, Valimaki and Daryl Sutter, I do have a quick break to uh, tell you about our latest partner that has a product that I use every day. And I started taking AG1 because I wanted to put control back into my immune system and my health. And, uh, AG1 is a delicious product. It is just one scoop of product in my water every morning. It is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I love it because it helps me focus. It helps me stay healthy, and um, I don't age. It'll help has those anti-aging properties with it. And it is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, none of those nasty chemicals or anything. And it tastes just like a flate, like a tropical-flavored water, which is very nice, very enjoyable. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Over the weekend, the Flames were still making some moves. They signed Daryl Sutter to a two-year contract extension. Fantastic. You know, obviously, love to see that. And then they were getting their roster ready for opening night in tonight's deadline. They placed Valimaki on waivers. And Arizona claimed him. Do you have any thoughts on um, either of those. 
Uh, just a missed opportunity. I mean, that's the peril of being a good team. You're not inclined to give your younger guys an opportunity to prove themselves because you feel like if you just get a replacement level defenseman in there, that's a lot safer than the ups and downs that you would have associated with a younger player who's still trying to figure out how to play at the NHL level. Whenever I've talked to Flames people, whether it be you, whether it be Mike Gold, always spoke very highly of Alamaki as a prospect. Never really got an opportunity to stick. It it happens when you're a good team. Your younger guys, especially defensemen, because you only dress six, don't really get an opportunity to stick. And teams are more inclined to play people like they played Gabranson last year, had Zadorov on that third pair, where a lot of teams are reticent to play a young guy on that third pair because they fear they're just going to want to move the puck. They're not going to be as strong. They're not going to be as physically mature, be able to withstand the grinding of a long season. It's just a missed opportunity. You hope the guy has a, a chance to actually get in the lineup in Arizona and stick at the NHL level. Yeah. And, you know, I think that he will absolutely have more of an opportunity in Arizona. I think that Arizona's, uh, you know, needs as much help as they can get, especially on the back end. So, you know, Valimaki has a chance to truly get experience at an NHL level and grow within an organization and uh, obviously best of luck to him. So on top of this, you know, there's been a lot of backup, a lot of log jams on the back end and Oliver Shillington is still away from the team back in Sweden. Uh, He was a very important part of this team, not only through the playoffs, but in the regular season. Um, do you think he'll come back at any point soon and make this team? I mean, they gave him an extension in the offseason, which was a clear-cut sign that they prioritized. They gave him a real extension. Two by five is a clear-cut. We want you to be here. We want you to play into your next contract when you'll be an unrestricted free agent. He was outstanding last year. After a couple of years of kind of being strung along and not really having a spot, he was really good for them last year. You hope everything's all right. You hope this is just like a paperwork immigration thing, which I know was a problem for a lot of players last year, this coming into this season, because both the Canadian and the American governments were able to kind of get a workaround for the typical paperwork process because of the pandemic last year. So you hope this is just a paperwork thing, whereas not an actual like life happening thing, which very well could be. No one knows. They've asked for privacy in this. So hope everything's all right. You want to see him play, but worry about you first. It's always about, it's always about making sure everything's all right before you worry about hockey. That's honestly a really good point because I didn't even think of like the legal side of things. My brain just jumps to, Oh my God, something's wrong at home. But no, that's very, that very well could be a thing because like you mentioned paperwork and legal things, but who do you slot in? If he's gone for a little bit, who do you probably stone? Probably yeah. Michael Stone. Yeah, his impacts are fine. His defense isn't great, but he moves the puck with a little bit of upside. His metrics are fine. He's your third pair guy. He plays twelve minutes a night, twelve to fourteen minutes a night. It's fine. Michael Stone's a competent third pair NHL defenseman. That it, if that's what you're worried about in your lineup construction, you're in okay shape. Yeah. If you're worried about who the sixth defenseman on your team is, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think with Michael Stone, I think that he is one of those guys that Daryl Sutter loves, and he might not say it out loud, but I think between his playoff performance last year and then his camp performance, 
Uh, you know, he re- he was able to score, I think, like three or four goals between, you know, the offseason or sorry, the postseason and the preseason. So, you know, he's finding his game again, which is nice. And it's always nice to see, especially for a player who has gone through it, to say the yeah. least. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to see. And then, you know, Connor Mackey is a player who I think will eventually see time with this team. But the thing is, is again, there are so many defensemen on this team and the organization as a whole. But I think that he's ready to take, you know, kind of the spot of Valimaki in terms of being that next guy that's, you know, kind of just flip-flopping between the two leagues. And it's that's obviously a lot easier now that the Wranglers are in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, that's a difficult spot for a younger guy to be that seventh defenseman because when you're not playing every day, you're not in a good routine. You're not in as good of a routine as you could be. And it's hard to get up to game speed. And it, It's just a difficult spot for a younger player. Typically, you want that seventh defenseman to be somebody who's old because they know what it takes to be good at that job where if they're not playing every day, they know how to go about preparation. I know it's a reason the Rangers have done that thing where they've continued to drag along kind of over the hill guys in that seven spot. Like they just waved to Nordy today to get oh, down. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. They just waved him today, but that he's going to be the eighth defenseman because they're going to keep Hayek. But yeah, you want to, you ideally want an older guy for that spot, but it, being that the AHL team is closer now, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Oh, Jared to former yes. Bruin, former everything really. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's, again, one of those situations that it's good to have this question. Yeah. And not to be like, well, it could be A, B, C, D, and we're going to actually go with J, because J is just, you know, a Daryl Sutter guy. But coming up next, we are going to talk about predictions. I love doing predictions because nine times out of ten, I'm wrong. But it's, it's okay. It's okay. No one's... I'm not a brain surgeon. There's no lives on the line here. All right. Well, when I sent you this outline, I was very, very nervous because I was like, I, I'm, not, I'm not good with predictions. And you're a very analytical driven guy. So I was like, I'm going to look like a clown. But it's okay. Like I said, it's brain sur- It's not brain surgery. No one here is going to use this against us in case we're wrong. So what do you think of the Flames lineup so far, especially that first line with Huberto, Lindholm, and Toffoli? Do you think it's strong enough to contend as a top line? Uh, Toolbox-wise, yes. You've got a playmaker. You've got a retriever. You've got a shooter. I mean, that Lindholm was the pivot on the best first line in hockey last year. You saw him sniff that 40-goal plateau, mm-hmm. which is where you really want your top-line guys to be. Huberto broke 100 points on Florida last year. Toffoli, on a good team, can push 25 goals. That's a solid first line. I don't know if it's as dynamic as some of the other first lines we're going to see. The Flames are going to run into down the line. Uh, it's not going to really – it's not going to compare well to Edmonton's. It's not going to compare well to Colorado's, Tampa's, even the Bruins when they're fully healthy. It, it's an upper echelon first line, but it's not 
a top five first line. It, it's good. It's not as good as last year's. Right. Last year's Flames first line was the best first line in hockey. So it, it's still going to be good, but I don't know if the flame if the Flames are going to go very far this year. It's going to be a depth thing, not a our better our best players are better than your best players. And that that's a good position to be in again. Yeah. You know, I again depth wins. If you yes. don't have your secondary scoring you're kind of SOL in terms of any playoff run. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed there. Who is leading this team in scoring this year? So I wrote down two, because I wasn't sure if you, I wasn't sure if you meant in goals or points. So goals, I would, I would say Lindholm points. I would probably say Huberto. Okay. Yeah. That's what I have too, because I, again, they're your top line guys. You need them to perform at that level. They're, very competent at performing at that level. We've seen it in the past. And I think that last season, Lindholm was able to take that next step in his career. And again, Daryl Sutter has this ability to kind of teach old dogs new tricks. And I'm interested to see if he's able to teach Huberto to implement some, some defensive mechanics into his game. Um, but yeah, I think that this is going to be another fun first line to watch. I will say right now, I will miss Matthew Kachuk or Johnny Gaudreau setting up Matthew Kachuk for the behind the net goals. I just, I'm, it will be grieving that probably for the rest of my life. And that's okay because hockey is not that serious. (laughs) I just, I can't. I miss them so much, and the season hasn't even started. Yeah. But you know, like we said, it's it's good for it's good for the league. Yeah. Perfect for the league. Who is your breakout player of the year for the Flames? I mean, I'll say Manjapani again, yeah. just because I really enjoy watching Manjapani's <laughs> game. But uh, other Uyghur, I mean, you're going to get to yeah. see Uyghur play a lot. I think the Flames are going to have. If Chillington comes back, I think they're going to have an argument for being the best one through six defend defense in the entire league. Uh, I would say either Uyghur or Manjapani. I mean, it's kind of hard because most of the Flames are already established older players in this league. But Manjapani still on that for that like second restricted free agent contract, and then Uyghur just signed the long term extension, and he's still on the younger side. So one of those two guys, someone in their mid twenties, who's going to get a real chance here on a team that expects to go far. So. Either Uyghur or Manjapani. Manjapani was great last year. And when you have a guy like that who's on your second or third line, you have a deep team. And we keep coming back to that. But that that's the way the Flames have chosen to address losing high-end talent is going for depth. Yeah. And I think not having depth was part of the problem last year. They yeah. had it, but it wasn't up to par with where it yeah. needed to be. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to say Noah Hannafin as well because he yeah. – he has taken the steps to be, you know, a top pairing defenseman. I think that he, you know, just, there's just still something missing. And I'm hoping that, you know, with the decor that's there now, they're able to kind of bolster his game. He had, I believe, a career year last year between points and goals. So we'll see. And I always forget that he's only like 25 because he's been in the league for so long. But yeah, um, and again, Boston native, so I can't 
can't root against that. I, I, I like Hannafin's game. That's a good answer. Hannafin is a good answer. Because like we I just said before, the Flames really going to have a lot of flexibility on that mm-hmm. back end, especially once Chillington comes back. Because Tanev and Uyghur can play with anybody. They're erasers. They solve a lot of problems. Yes. Hannafin took a nice step last year because in 2020, he wasn't great. Last year, he was pretty, I would say, upper echelon of that. Low, probably like 14th, 15th best first pair lefty in the NHL. So you get a little bit better than that. And just the flames are well situated for him to have a strong season. And they need that because you lose that high end talent up front. You're going to need more cohesive play throughout your lineup. A lot of the way the flame, the flame style is predicated on having as much depth as possible because it's grueling. It's enduring. And you have to have a lot of guys uh, dumping and chasing the puck all night is tiring work. You have to have, four lines and six defensemen that can withstand that kind of style. And it's one of the rare situations where a GM has matched the style they want to play with the talent they have. And it's a good situation. And Hannafin is a good, Hannafin's a good answer. I, I could definitely see him taking a nice leap, especially in counting stats, which are a little fluky as a defenseman because, you know, point assists, secondary assists doesn't really translate, especially when you're not getting power play time, but yeah. you could definitely see it for Hannafin this year. That's a good answer. Fingers crossed for him. And then the goaltending. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, I don't want to say have questions about it because I think, you know, this is, again, Jacob Markstrom finished second behind your guy, Igor Shesterkin, in uh, Vesna Trophy voting. So does Dan Vladar see more game time? Does he see more starts this year to give Markstrom the rest that he needs? in order to be to not have a repeat of the Edmonton series. Okay, so I went and looked it up because uh, the way I always approach this, if you're a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup, is you look at the recent history of the league, you see what teams that have won the Cup have done, especially with goalie workload. And I went and wrote it down. So last year, Kemper, 57 starts. Vasilevsky in the 56 game season, 42. In 2020, 52. Bennington started 32, Jake Allen started 46 when the Blues won, Holtby 54 starts, Matt Murray 39 starts, Marc-Andre Fleury 58, Markstrom had 63 starts last year, that's a little on the high end, you want ideally to be somewhere in the mid-50s for your starting goalie if you're pushing for a Stanley Cup, even in the years where the Rangers were riding Henrik Lundqvist into the ground, he was only starting 58, 59 starts. So ideally, you want to take away about five more of those starts. If you yeah. can get five more starts out of Lidar and you have Markstrom for 55 to 60, that's your that's your sweet spot. That's where you want to be so your goalie has energy left by the time the playoffs come. Absolutely. And I think looking at, you know, that number 63, that's nauseating. That's that a lot. It is a lot. It's, And I get it. It was Vladar's first season in the NHL. After and Markstrom coming... was good. And yeah. Markstrom was really good last year. That That's the problem a lot of these teams have. I mean, you just ride the hot goalie. I mean, we saw it in Toronto with Jack Campbell where he was outstanding through about February, and then he got hurt. 
We saw it with Freddie Anderson in Carolina, who was outstanding until he got hurt. We saw it with UC Soros in Nashville, who was outstanding until he got hurt. These teams that are on the... And the Flames are a good enough team where starting your backup shouldn't sink you. There are teams where if you have to play your backup goalie sometimes, okay, you're kind of giving up that night just because they're not that good. But the Flames have a deep enough team where if they start Vlidar, they should be able to hang around in most games. Absolutely. And I think that... What also helps is I'm going to get so much crap for mentioning this, but Vladar came from the Bruins system, which has a phenomenal, phenomenal goalie pipeline. And that's why he got pushed out because of all the prospects that were there. And with Tuca kind of, you know, on, he was on his last leg and there, it just, there wasn't room for him to move up, but he makes a phenomenal backup and he has had, the proper development and training that he needs in order to succeed. And I don't think it's fair for him to just kind of, you know, be a bench warmer all season and wear Markstrom out to the point where he's starting games in April or, you know, March against, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks who have already been eliminated and you just don't like, there's no reason put your backup in. Yeah, you got to manage the workload. And it sucks when you have a very good goalie because by playing your backup, you're not giving yourself your best chance to win. But at the same time, you got to play the long game if you're a team like Calgary that really does expect to go deep into the playoffs. Winning every game is important until you get that cushion. Once, especially like last year where the Flames were pretty well situated for the playoffs by about February, you got to start worrying about April, May, and June. And that ultimately was the Flames undoing was they were tired. They were worn out. The goaltending wasn't there. And they got a new attract meet against the fastest team in the league. You got to give you, yourself a chance. And it's it's hard. It's very hard for a coach to say, okay, I can't give my team the best chance to win tonight because somebody needs rest. And, and the and Markstrom's never going to want to say he doesn't want to play. And, and Daryl comes in. The, yeah, do you want – you good? Yeah, that, that's the end of the conversation. That, a guy like Markstrom, who's as good as he is, is going to want to play every single opportunity. And it's one of those situations I always talk about on my podcast is sometimes you need to take the situa- the decision out of the player's hands because the player isn't always going to make the best decision for the team because they're not going to want to let the team down because they feel that by not playing, they're letting the team down. We got to start reconditioning the hockey player brain. Sometimes it's okay to... Sometimes it's okay. Yes, yes. Sometimes it's okay to not try and gut through something. Right. And I feel like that is very relatable for a lot of us here in this content creating world. Like, it's okay to not be, you know, on 24-7. It is okay to just enjoy a sporting event without thinking, this would make great content. This, You know, I have to break this down because I just have all these amazing ideas. No, it's okay. It, It is perfectly okay to watch a game or even not watch a game. Just to step back and be like, okay, it's a night off. But do you have anything else you would like to add before we wrap up this show today? I like the Flames a lot last year. I still think they're going to be an upper echelon team. I think they're like 15, 16 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup, something in that mid-tier range behind Colorado. They weren't favored to win the Pacific Division, which I was a little surprised to see Edmonton as the betting favorite to win the Pacific, considering they're a two-line team with the goalie who has like, you know, 150 career NHL starts as their yeah. goalie. Um, I, I think the Flames are going to be right there. 
everybody stays healthy. The Flames are one of the five, six best teams in the entire league. You get in the playoffs, you hope for the best. That's really all you can ask for. If you have a legitimate chance, worry about everybody's health, get into the playoffs, and then once you get there, then you start worrying about, are we that good? But the Flames are a well-constructed team. Brad might have already won GM of the year, and the season hasn't started yet based on the offseason he had. So I'm very excited to see what the Flames do this year. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. I make a point of watching them because their style of play is very entertaining to watch. So I'm very excited. I'm curious to see, like you mentioned before, if they can get Huberto to get out of that track meet habit of style that the Panthers are playing into that more structured, rigid. All right, you have the puck, get the puck, go get the puck, like a cat chasing a laser pointer. Yeah. Do. So I'm very curious to see that. And this is a fun team. I'm very, very excited for the Flames this year. I am so glad you're excited because I think we need more people to appreciate the Flames. And we do. Um, yeah, I think I think they're on their way. Well on their way at that. So thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Flames. Nick, plug all of your socials, your projects, everything, please. So you can follow me on Twitter. My personal is at Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. I'm the co-host of the Liberty Blue Podcast with Andrew Chelney. New episodes every Monday. Now that we're in season, we're going to start doing more stuff on not a daily basis, but close to it because there's actually hockey to talk about now. Unlike It was not the best of ideas to launch a podcast the day after the Rangers were eliminated and there wasn't hockey to actually talk about. But now that there's actually hockey to talk about, the content will uptick. We had Rangers MSG Network broadcaster Sam Rosen on last week. That episode is getting re-aired on Twitch, YouTube, and um, Twitter Friday evening. It'll be available on all your favorite podcasting platforms sometime Monday night. Um, Yeah, hockey's back. The content doesn't stop it, Jess. We're we're back. We're back. Like, this this is our time. We are here until the Stanley Cup is handed out. And then we take a day off and then we're back again. And then we're back. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me, Nick. I greatly appreciate it. And um, is there an episode on tonight? (laughs) Are you guys recording tonight? We're re-airing the episode we did with Sam on Thursday. But we're probably going to do something that comes out tomorrow because the Rangers season starts tomorrow. So we haven't decided if we're doing we're going to record an episode and drop it in the morning for tomorrow, or if we're just going to do something live tomorrow night before the game. So gotcha. when we know, I'll let you know, but yeah. Yeah. Great. Cause I watch on Twitch and I'm just like, Oh, this is, it's nice to listen to, but thank you everyone. And thank you, Nick. Make sure you check out him on Twitter, check out his work and you can follow me online at Jess Belmosto. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. And make sure that you are uh, following the show's Twitter feed, which I'll, will absolutely be more active now that it's the regular season at LO underscore flames pod.